Hey friends, welcome back. We have decided to um, scratch the episode that was supposed to come out this week, and instead I am being joined by one of my really good friends, Akua Kanadu. She is a social media strategist and Instagram coach in particular, and she is just amazing. And we have had really good conversations privately that I thought would be really helpful for some of you out there who are wanting to really um, step into the position of allyship or becoming an ally in the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I'm really excited to have her join us um, here with us today and to just kind of like put a lot of good content out there for you guys so that as you're doing your research, hopefully this will be one of those resources that you can lean on. So first of all, I just love to um, welcome you to the show, Akua, and to just also like hear about your feelings right now. I know that you being in Minneapolis, seeing your city's response holds its own direct impact for you in addition to what you're experiencing like daily as a black woman. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me lately. Like I'm really um, thankful to be here. Um, Just, you know, it's hard because it's been a very somber um, week. And so it was good just to see you and and chat and laugh a little bit because we, it's, it's been hard to have joy these past couple days. So I appreciate that. But yeah, um, you know, Minneapolis, it's, it's been very, very intense. Um, Last week when everything initially happened, um, immediately an uproar, you know, because it was caught on camera. And so people instantly were like, what can we do? Um, how do we move forward? Um, you know, so protests just started happening. And um, once the protests started happening, that's when things started to get intense. Um, I personally um, went on Saturday to the protest, but before then, that's when um, we had people who started rioting. You know, um, they burned the fifth and third precinct. Um, the post office was also set on fire. I mean, very. Um, various um, important areas in South Minneapolis, um, black owned businesses too were also attacked. And so when it first initially happened, um, you know, I will be honest, I was like, it's about time. Like this is necessary because this is the third police brutality case in Minnesota that we know of. We had Jamar Clark in 2015. We had Philando Castile in 2016. And both of those led to nothing, um, police officers being acquitted. We had protests. Um, Black Lives Matter was there as well, like stepping up and still nothing. And so George Floyd was is, has been the the turning point. And so we had this as well. And so you can feel it here in Minnesota. It's the air is different. Like it's it's starting to shift. So when it first happened, I was like burn it. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be very very um honest. And so not in a not in a way of like to see people suffer, but it was like we, we're tired. We are tired because police brutality has been going on for decades. I remember when I was uh, six years old and I heard about Rodney King, I was living in um, Bronx, New York at the time. And so that was all over the news. And that was my first exposure to police brutality. And so, um, you know, people were exhausted. So I was like, this just has to be necessary. And then as soon as other things, then I found out it was black owned businesses that were being hit. And then, um, obviously hearing about outsiders coming in. And then that to me was just very quickly like, okay, these are people here who are not attached at all to the cause, taking away from our protesters. And so like, 
what can we do? And it's been amazing to see so many people come together in the Minneapolis community um, to help rebuild. I, like I mentioned before, I went to the protest um, last week, Saturday, and I also wanted to walk through Minneapolis and just see the damage myself. And um, I realized I was coming from such a place of anger, which I feel like is very valid right now, but it was heartbreaking to see walking through um, the community just shattered, but also to the strength and the resilience that people of color that we have and how we are, so many people were there to protect the community, um, protect buildings. The uh, protests were peaceful. People were out there handing out water and snacks. Um, of course, people are angry, but also to like, we are here to finally um, figure out how to how to make change and so it was a beautiful thing it was um i definitely was emotional out there as i'm yelling and chanting and um and like i said we then started to walk around through south minneapolis and buildings were still on fire still smoldering um i when i got home i smelled like a bonfire i mean it was very intense but again you can see how people were coming to together and support each other and uplift each other certain businesses that were burned down were like Yes, our business was burned down. We'll rebuild, get justice for George Floyd. They weren't taking away from the reason why this all started in the in the first place. And so um, it's been it's been hard and it's been exhausting. Um, but there's also those little pockets of joy that um, we're holding on to, and it's now sparking a conversation, which is something that we have been desperately asking for, for a very, very long time. <laughs> and so there's no turning back. Like we are ready to move forward and we are ready to fight for change. So that's kind of how it's, it's, it's been here. And so many people have reached out to me um, out of love and just checking in, which I appreciate so much, like you yourself, and um, just checking in on our city. And that's something that we really appreciate. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And like that firsthand account is just, I think, um, so moving for people to hear who are nowhere near your city and who would not otherwise have the opportunity to get that insight. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, I love that you mentioned when, how moving it was for you and how beautiful it was for you when people are not taking away from the moment, from the movement, and they're really truly being allies. And so I, I want to kind of dive into that with you. Like, what does being an ally or allyship mean mean or look like to you right now? Like how can people, how can non-Black people support and really push forward, like you said, in this moment, in this movement? Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we think of allyship, I think a lot of people just aren't sure what that means or what that looks like. So I know in my mind what that meant, but I actually looked up the definition, which I thought was really, really good that I wanted to share. And so allyship is an active, consistent practice of unlearning and re-evaluating in which a person in a position of privilege and power seeks to operate in solidarity with a marginalized group. And it is not an identity, but a lifelong process of building relationships based on trust, consistency, and accountability with a marginalized community. And so what I take from that is that you need to show up. Show up and get ready to be uncomfortable. 
because that is our reality. Reality. I grew up, I've been in Minnesota since I was nine. I went to a predominantly white high school. I went to a predominantly white college. And the constant um, microaggressions that I have experienced where I am constantly uncomfortable. So you also have to get ready to be uncomfortable and you need to show up. You need to be ready to receive and you need to be ready to learn. Um, you know, because being an ally, it is a, you're not doing it out of guilt. You're doing it because you know, it is your responsibility. And so I even want to say that people right now, because they're in it, because they're so outraged, where are you going to be six months from now? Where are you going to be a year from now? This is a lifelong thing. That is what we need. And it starts with having those conversations with people in your life, those inner circles. When you're with your family, your friends, and they're making those types of ignorant comments, you're checking them. You're also checking yourself with your unconscious biases. Like that's, that's what it is. You have to be able to actively acknowledge your privilege and using that in a way to make space for people of color. Your help, like, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's what it means to be an ally. And so I have had... Um, a lot of people coming in my DMs, um, you know, asking me where to start and what, you know, what is tangible. And even some people who I love dearly, but I know have been given resources. And so white people, please know I say this to you with love. Please do not keep sliding into my DMs or other people of color's DMs asking um, what to do. Because the resources are out there. There have been people who have been advocating who they have made this their life work. Um, Google works wonders. If you're Googling, you know, how to create brownies or make potato salad, you can easily Google things on race relations. You know what I mean? Like... Google works wonder. It's a wonderful tool. And so I really want to encourage people to use that. And so um, because I... I have, I've had several conversations. It's exhausting. And right now we're in a place where we are grieving and being an ally, you are constantly educating yourself constantly. This, the work does not stop here because like I said before, this has been going on for decades. The only difference is now is that it is being caught on camera. And so, um, that's truly what it heavily, heavily means to be an ally. Like you're doing the work with integrity. You, like I said before, you're not doing it out of guilt because what you're seeing right now, you're doing it because you know that it is your responsibility. And so that's, I think is what the, one of the most like important things are of like being an ally, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like I found that the reason for people not taking action, you know, when people people who do care, it usually boils down to like either being afraid to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, or they get overwhelmed or they're just like, just living in their own ignorance. And so, um, I just, I want to kind of harp on that point that you made. I want to encourage anyone listening. Um, don't bombard your black friends, your friends who are people of color with the, what can I do question? I, I love that you said like Google does work wonders. Like, let me Google that for you in this situation. It's, it, that's on you to do the research. And if you're listening to this, props to you for actually like taking the, the um, resources, like listening to this podcast and utilizing this as a resource. You don't want to utilize every person of color that you know as a resource in a time like this when people are exhausted. So 
um, continuing on like this conversation, what are a few steps that people can take to be true allies today and moving forward? I love that you mentioned, where are you going to be in six months? Where are you going to be in a year? Like we cannot, this, this cannot be like a one week social media frenzy. And then like people just stop moving forward. Um, so beyond sharing on social, like how else can people take action to be true allies? Yeah, absolutely. I think number one, the most important step, especially for um, white people is acknowledging your privilege. I think that's going to be, I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people because a lot of people are coming from a place of defense and that is not the case. We, um, I do not think all white people are racist. I have an amazing group of friends. Um, you know, I, that's not the case at all. And it's not for you to, uh, feel ashamed or, you know, just like you can't help, that I can't help that I'm black, just like you can't help that you're white. So it's just acknowledging that and using and, and using it in a way to uplift and um, create space for people of color. And so learn what it means to have privilege. Really educate yourself on white privilege, I think, is, is a really big one. Also to read. There have been resources out there everywhere. Um, even before this happened, um, one of my dear friends, um, she lives in Duluth and Duluth is two hours north of the Twin Cities. And that town as well has had major issues um, regarding race. And um, a year ago, her and her husband decided to take that step. And so they signed up for a workshop called Whiteness 101, which was an in-person workshop where white people got together and they were taught about white privilege and white fragility and what they can do um, to help regarding racism. And she said it was, it was tough. Like she, there was a lot of people who, um, stepped out of it, who dropped out of the course because it was so uncomfortable and her and her husband stayed with it. And so when she was walking and I didn't even know she had signed up for it initially, like all of a sudden, you know, I always go up to, for grandma's weekend in Duluth, it's a big running marathon. And so I went up there, um, to hang out with all of our friends and her and I all ended up having this really long conversation. She told me all the work that she has been doing. And so, um, that was awesome to hear because she knew that it was like, I'm not looking for, you know, for recognition. Like this is my, this is my responsibility that I, I need to do. And so now she is consciously checking herself. She's always like, you know, what can I do? She speaks up and she speaks out all the time and she holds people accountable because, you know, we as black people, that's something that we, it's exhausting. We've constantly spoken out and it's fallen so much on deaf ears. And so at this point where we're at, like white people need to step up. And so the, what I loved with her was, is that, you know, once she started doing that and really, uh, making the effort and, um, educating herself, we were able to have such much more thought provoking conversations and it really like deepened our friendship and strengthen it because I know that girl's always in my corner, no matter what is going on. And even now, you know, and this was a year ago, like she's still actively doing the work. She read books like white fragility. I have been recommending that one. People really, really need to read that one. And I, I know that's been floating around. Um, why I'm no longer talking to pe white people about race. That's talking about structural racism, white dominance, politics, and the link between class and race. Like these are really important things to talk about. And I think, um, as, as you're getting into white, uh, I mean, sorry, into allyship people also to really need to know our history because I'm really, really surprised when I see comments and people just have no idea, um, you know, what black people have gone through 
you know, slavery, civil rights area era, like people just know of it, but they really don't know the details because when you're able to connect those dots, you are finally able to realize why, like where we are and why we are the way that we are. Um, so really educating yourself, um, and look back at our history because when you really look at it, not much has changed. Like we've seen a lot of, like, I've seen a lot of people, you know, talking about Martin Luther King and nonviolent protests is the way to go and this and that. But let's not forget here that during that time he was still assassinated. I mean, you know what I mean? So if we were in that time, he would still be viewed as, um, a person who was causing trouble and you know what I mean? And so he would be viewed as an enemy. And so that, right. It's just, it's, it's a very, um, I'm frustrating. So I think it's because people just don't know the history. And so again, really educating yourself and going and, and, and looking back at, um, unfortunately the hard parts of our history and we can't shy away from that. We have to talk about it. You, it's not, I hate when people are like, well, just get over racist. Uh, slavery was 400 years ago. I'm like every single choice that has been made has been based off of that. So, um, I think that's, if that's helpful, that's kind of where people can get started with, with allyship, acknowledging, you know, reading. And also to, again, like I mentioned before, like don't expect people, um, of color to just, uh, spoon feed it to you, you know, um, because this is our everyday reality and it's very exhausting. And then also to, um, listen, I think that's a huge, huge thing as well. Um, listen and just under, cause we're, we all have, we all have our different stories and just understand and empathy. I think empathy is going to go such a long way. Empathy. And that's something I even, me, myself, I carry with me because, um, we're all different. We all have different experiences. Our stories are different, but our stories is what binds us together, right? When you're able to find some common ground within that. So connect with people that are different than you and listen like when you hear somebody, don't make it all about you. And I think that's been a lot of what we've seen, not in all aspects, but there are some out there right now where it's like people are making it about them and not what the actual issue is at hand. Um, so really just listening and be ready to be uncomfortable and be okay with that. Cause it's hard at first, but you know, and that was something that my friend said, walking through the workshop and stuff, cause she would find herself getting defensive and sometimes getting angry. But once you walk through that, now she's like, check me on my whiteness. Like now that's what she says. And so, um, I hope that's helpful and gives clarity for people. I think that's incredibly helpful. And I especially love just the concept of like recognizing that it's okay to be uncomfortable and it's important to be uncomfortable and to not let that discomfort push you away from actually taking action or becoming educated. Um, I see that so often and I think we're all seeing it right now is uh, somebody will post something, especially people who are you know, this, this podcast is for creative entrepreneurs. So if you're following a lot of creative entrepreneurs on Instagram or social or wherever, somebody will inevitably and has posted something that was phrased incorrectly or that was slightly tone deaf and getting called out on that has resulted in people going one way or the other. Either they acknowledge that they did something, um, not in the best way and they learn from it and they grow from it or they get defensive and they let that white fragility and that just like defensiveness stop them from growing and moving forward and and again stepping into that role of ally. So I really appreciate that those steps that you shared. I think there's things that people that all, all of all of us can very easily access um, kind of those action steps really quickly. Absolutely. Uh, you, yeah, thank you. Do you have any advice for um, 
for like our small business owners who are listening, who are trying to navigate the waters of running their business right now, especially those who run, like you and I run our businesses online. I know a lot of our listeners Mm -hmm. do too, and we're reliant on social media, but people also want to be cognizant and not be tone deaf. Like I, you know, um, I'll use myself as an example because I, I don't know if what I'm doing is right or wrong. I just know what feels right to me is, you know, I pushed back some launches so that I'm able to then amplify black voices and I'm able to serve as an ally in, in, as best that as I can. Um, do you have it just like any advice for people who are kind of navigating those waters and they don't feel sure about themselves? They don't feel like they know what's right. Yeah. You know, I think even for, I know I've had people also reach out to me because I was supposed to speak at a summit next week, but, um, the, uh, host of the summit reached out to me and decided to postpone as well. And I think, you know, because again, it's, things are shifting and this is a, a, a culture. And so I personally think it's best to postpone, to give people of color that space and, you know, share the, and, and even beyond today and beyond this week, constantly as you're preparing content, you know, in your business or whatever launches, you know, that you're working on within your business, always being intentional about being inclusive. Um, I think from here on out and always creating that space for, um, people to be value seen and heard. Um, and that's something too, that I know as people are still, um, navigating, they're not entirely sure of what to do, create space. I, you know what I mean? Create space and, um, be open to the hard conversations. I know there has been some lash, some backlash lately with, um, major influencers who have no problem taking black money, but also too, won't even allow in their community to have these hard conversations. And that was extremely disheartening to see these big influencers, these big platforms and, you know, are posting about it. Like, yeah, you know, I'm woke and this and that and my white privilege. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not even allowing people to have these conversations within your community, then what are you even, then what's the whole point of what even you're saying? I mean, there's no, it's not genuine at all, you know? And so we have to get pushed past social media. And at Minneapolis, we've had no choice because our city's up in flames. So, you know what I mean? Everybody is stepping up and helping and also to giving voices to the unheard. And so as you're trying to navigate, I would just say, encourage, um, creating space for people, bring it up and, you know, and, and let, let have some dialogue and let people talk about it so they can feel seen and heard and know that this is a safe space that they can talk about. Um, cause this is, it's a community, right? A lot of our online businesses, we're building, it's more than customers. We're building a community. It's like family. And so really just being able to facilitate that conversation, no matter how hard or uncomfortable it may be, because that is how we're going to move forward. That's how per- perspectives get changed. Absolutely. And I think that it's worth mentioning, you know, if you have an online community, if you um, grow your platform in order to like create a livelihood, you are automatically, whether you want to recognize it or not, you are automatically putting yourself in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to lean into that leadership role and use it to support and to amplify the voices that need to be amplified. So I I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. are there any other resources that you personally would like to recommend or, um, or if, are there any other thoughts that you want to share with us before we like sign off? Yeah, no, um, definitely. I've had, obviously we talked about a couple of books. Um, 
I don't know if ever, anybody ever listens to the Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith. I love her. So good. She did an episode, I think it was last year, but it's called The Racial Divide, Women of Color and White Women. And I thought that was phenomenal. And she also did an episode called Unpacking Your White Privilege. I think that might be a very good start for a lot of people just watching the video because I love the vulnerability and the honest, raw conversations because those are the type of conversations that we need to be having. Um, donating you know, donating to these causes. Um, the Minnesota Freedom Fund right now, because like I said, Minnesota is, this is where it happened. Um, George Floyd Memorial Fund, um, as well, if you're able to donate, run with mod, um, you know, so that also happened a couple months ago. Um, what else? Um, national bailout for protesters that are peacefully protesting because it's been, it's, it's crazy to see, you know, when you see the news, but then you finally see when it affects your life. Um, because, you know, my brother was protesting the day on 35W when the truck uh, tried to plow through. So that was a very terrifying experience when he's calling me panting about what just happened. And so for me, you know, it's personal. And it always has been. I, I have an uncle who's a victim of police brutality. I have a cousin who's a victim of police brutality. And it's, it's, it's a big thing. And so we have work to do. That's just what it is. And it's now time for everybody to step up and play their part. It's no longer okay to be silent. It's no longer okay to be idle. It's, it's time. I 100% agree. And I so, so appreciate you listing out all of those resources. We will definitely link all of those in our show notes um, and, you know, post them on our Instagram. Um, typically, like, as you know, I leave each episode with asking our, our guest what their unpopular opinion is. But I, today, I would really just like to end the episode by encouraging all of our listeners to take one of the steps that you've provided for us today and to just say thank you for spending your time here. Again, like, it is such a fine line between asking, um, you, and, you and I have such a beautiful relationship, but it's such a fine line between asking for help and creating resources versus um, bombarding people and, and, and um, relying on them to do the hard work for you. So I so appreciate your, your time and just your um, amazing insight that you've shared with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope that this episode was helpful for you and can serve as a resource for you to come back to. I will be transcribing this episode and posting the transcription on so here's the thing podcast.com along with all of the resources that Akua listed for you. And so that way, hopefully, if you want to come back and take notes or look through any of the points that she mentioned, you're able to do so. Thanks again for listening. And thank you again to Akua for taking the time to help share all of this information with us.